Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Oh, Marshall. Happy two-year anniversary. Let me just go ahead and get that right off the bat. This we, is a we... very special episode, episode 104. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 52 weeks times two, we've been doing this. Uh, although it's, uh, it, what's, what's really funny is that it's actually 105 because we had that two-parter episode back before we realized what we were exactly doing. And, and uh, anyway, long, long story there. But we, you know, in, in honor of our, we, we, we decided episode, you know, 100 wasn't, wasn't quite the capstone we were looking for. So the two-year anniversary, episode 104 or five, is the one that we're, uh, we're going to celebrate. And uh, so we've been connected with a gentleman who is near and dear to our hearts we we you know call this podcast it doesn't take a genius but this gentleman has literally worked with a wizard so you know we we have a a very a a very natural reason for bringing him on and he's near and dear to our hearts because he happened to mentor our mentor so len could could i just give you the floor to uh introduce yourself to our uh, audience both both members of our audience uh, well, great. Thanks, uh, Mark and uh, Mike. It's a it's a pleasure uh, to be with you, and it's a pleasure uh, to be connected to you, knowing how uh, this yeah. connection occurred, and that you were mentored by a, a very special person in my life, uh, Dolores Hazel, that I worked uh, with uh, for many many years, and we have recently connected uh, again, uh, taking her through a significant fifteen week executive coaching and certification process around uh, basically the work I've been doing for the uh, past 25 years, and that is uh, teaching and sharing uh, the legacy and the wisdom of Coach John Wooden, who has become has become my mentor uh, in in every aspect uh, of my life. So what a great Mm -hmm. opportunity to talk about mentoring and the important relationships we have to help ourselves. Uh, be better people and better at what we do professionally and delighted to be with you today. Well, we, we are uh, so tickled to have you. And, and honestly, uh, Lynn, we, <laughs> we knew of your existence long before uh, this podcast because Dolores would talk about her time at Sandy Corp and, and talked about uh, her, her work there and, and the important uh, project that you guys uh, cooked up at that time. Um, and if, if you had not, uh, in a sense, changed her life, she wouldn't have had the chance to change ours. And she, she really did. Mike and I sat down at a hotel bar and had lunch. And I believe it was November of 2004. Mike, is that right? I, think I believe that is. Yeah. So that was our first, uh, we called them facilitator learning experiences. We had a T3, uh, as we all know to love in this industry. And at, yeah. at that T3, we, we met for the first time just off the airplane, uh, sitting at the bar. And within, uh, I think about three hours, we had our first meeting with Dolores. So I, I almost don't want to tell you what she said. I, I, I want to sort of, I want to sort of paint that picture after you tell us uh, sort of your version of how you uh, connected with Dolores, because I think, you know, that this is all going to go back to the timeless principles of Coach Wooden. And, and you had a chance to sort of uh, do them in the wild. So could, could you tell us about that? Well, there's a direct connection. Uh, I, I was a, at that point a, a group vice president uh, and a general manager of Sandy Corporation's West Coast business. They were, a, a, I would say, a premier consulting, training, and performance improvement firm oh, sure. in Detroit, uh, specializing yeah. uh, in the automotive industry. Uh, they really helped to invent uh, the industrial training business coming out of the old Jam Handy organization in Detroit. And uh, we had, uh, Sandy really was a, uh, you know, was kind of an in-house agency to General Motors uh, for many years. And I was part of a process called uh, general marketing that was trying to get Sandy outside of General Motors, (laughs) interestingly. And uh, we were able to open uh, some doors like Pitney Bowes and IBM, and then finally got an opportunity to do some business on the West Coast uh, when Sandy got a bid to help re uh, to help invent the Infinity division of Nissan, right. uh, Lexus had uh, Acura had launched a year earlier. Lexus had launched 
uh, six months prior and Infinity was trying to get their luxury division going and we actually had a chance to um, to help invent them really from scratch. Every, every piece of their business, their customer service strategy and a very comprehensive training uh, program. I think the most comprehensive in the industry at the time when we took entire teams of people uh, to Scottsdale, Arizona and took them through an eight day program, every job category in the store plus product and team and a whole series of things. Uh, it, it was a great program. Now, the, interestingly, I hadn't met John Wooden yet. Uh, and had I had, uh -huh. I had at that time, what I uh, spent the next 20 years working on, we'd have been twice as good, I think, <laughs> uh, at that project. It turned out to be quite uh, quite an initiative, and I think we were very successful at it. And people like Dolores and I, who was part of our, our training team and uh, the team that made that whole project come together, it bloomed in the desert, if you will, yeah. um, did some incredible work, and she was uh, in charge of a couple of the job categories and the training that went on for those audiences. So we, we bonded around uh, that project and all the work uh, that we did there. And that started in 1989. So, uh, right, 89, 11, that was 33 years ago that she and I started working together. And, you know, we're, we're still still chatting, still working, still learning, still teaching. Um, was she, she was already, at Sandy Corp when was, the Infinity yeah, work? Okay. Yeah, she was already at, at, Sandy, uh, at Sandy Corporation. She was a part of our part of our training team, one of the lead instructors yeah. uh, and facilitators in, in that process. And and I correct that you did not hire her. Um, no, I didn't no, I did not hire her. She was she was actually in in an, another uh, department in Detroit and I actually had been transferred from Detroit to Southern California. Uh, which is a whole another story. It absolutely yeah. changed the trajectory of our family's life uh, and to this day uh, significantly. Uh, so I was in California and then she came out as part of the team that was in Troy, Michigan. Uh, and we met and spent the next five years in the desert in Scottsdale uh, trying to invent this car company from scratch. So, so I'm, I'm really interested about what just sort of happened by osmosis um, in, in that, uh, you know, sort of the, the two of you, you know, working on a project together and, and uh, there's, there's natural mentoring that happened because I, I, I don't know if, Mike, you, I maybe should give you the floor and you could talk about sort of your version of this, but all I remember from that first meeting with Dolores, and it was the team of about maybe 14 of us, would you say, Mike, uh, that, that first year? Yeah, yeah there was about uh, 14 of us, yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around there. And there were, I mean, retired school teachers and, I mean, just all sorts of different interesting people. And some of us knew nothing about the car business. And she just said very simply at the start of the meeting, he, here's the deal, no surprises. Let's just make it a rule, no surprises. You keep me informed on what's going on and I will make sure that I protect you if something happens where you've made a mistake because you're going to, and I'm going to promote you. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you up when there's something that you've done that you can brag on. And uh, some people flourished in, under that immediately. Mike Marshall being one of them. Um, I was the youngest guy in the whole project at the time, and I was extremely nervous. I couldn't figure out how I had made it through the interview process. <laughs> and Dolores had to periodically, uh, you know, get a, a phone call from me where something would happen where I'd say, well, I better tell her. And every time, every single time that I uh, picked up the phone and called her that first year, she would answer and say, my prodigal son, my son, he's returned. He's returned. Let me help you. What can I do for you? And yeah, she, she would definitely always had that mother mothering instinct. Oh, yeah. oh, she nurtured me. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I was wet behind the ears when I started and she really built confidence in me and people like Mike as well. And that's, that's why we're all still friends. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, definitely. And it's interesting because I remember the exact same thing Huh. Only from the, the opposite perspective, I think I'm probably, let's just go with I'm older than Dolores. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so the the opportunity for, for someone here that I thought, well, she's, you know, a bit younger than me, but but it was obvious from the, the very first moment that we met her that, that she possessed the leadership characteristics. She, 
she should have the job that she had and that we were all going to be better off because she did have that job. Huh. And, and, yeah. and, the, and like you said, there was just simple rules. There was no, no, it was just these simple maxims, right? No surprises. I will always have your back. And because it was a, a field job, so we, we had very little you know, contact with the, with the main organization, uh, they didn't know us except through our leader. And, yeah. and her, her, her admonition that I will make sure to paint you in the best light possible. And, and, and with those, just those simple rules, you can go out and work confidently and, right. and you could be the best version of yourself and you could do the work. And, and, if, and if you had a question, you know, there was this, this approachableness of, yeah, no, there is no silly questions. If you don't ask, I'd be disappointed. Uh, that well, I think Dolores was, a, was ahead of her time in, in the fact that her management style was really one of a coach. Uh, and and, yes. and, a, and a nurturing coach. You know, there's a lot of chatter today about about coaching, and everybody's trying to learn to coach or be a coach, or whether yeah. it's a life coach or a leadership coach or whatever kind of coach it is. And it's connected to the development now of cultures, and people are trying to develop coaching cultures. But I think uh, 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 I think Dolores was was way ahead of her time in in how she approached things and. Then uh, you know we really connected. I can't say honestly that I would was uh, consciously aware of the fact that uh, that I was mentoring Dolores. <laughs> honestly, I, I would say it, it wasn't uh, intentional. Uh, I think I'm being honest and transparent. I, I don't think yeah. it was intentional. We just uh, you know we just had great chemistry. Uh, similar levels of energies, uh, similar levels of commitment to the idea of what we were doing and how much we believed in it and how much we believed in each other. And, uh, and I think that that brought uh, about a very positive and powerful working relationship. And uh, I loved what she did and how she did it and how she went about it. And apparently um, she felt similar uh, in some respects. So, well, yeah. And I think I think uh, there's a quote by John Wooden, and I don't remember it exactly, but he says something similar that 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 my life is my message uh, type yeah. of thing. And 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 so while you may not be consciously, you know, mentoring somebody, uh, your example is the path. Yeah. Well, he would describe himself as I'm just a teacher. I mean, two things come to mind when when you say those things about him. Too. What, well, how he described himself, I'm just a teacher. Right. And then the other thing that his quote on how he wanted to be remembered, uh, he just wanted to be remembered as someone who was considerate of others. Uh, I mean, th that's incredible <laughs> with, with the life he had and what he accomplished, how he wanted to be remembered was someone who was considerate of others and mm -hmm. others to him meant everybody. Uh, and and th those two approaches, uh, you know, Dolores loved to teach and instruct and facilitate and work with people. And she was always very considerate of everybody else's. She was able to read read the room, read the situation, read a people's a person's uh, mind and mood. And you know, she had that ha had that great sense to be able to, you know, lock into people and you and nailed it. See them where they are, meet them where they are, meet and them where they are. That, that's yeah. that's exactly right. And and by the way, she for for what it's worth, she told me that uh, what you provided for her was an example of what to do. She said, I had plenty of managers who taught me what not to do, just based <laughs> on what, what their what their example was. But um, I, I remember her, uh, she, she would periodically have to fly in and observe us. And the first time she flew in, um, I, 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 I facilitated a management team meeting and she observed and after it was over, she was catching all these things I did well. I had no idea that was gonna happen. Somebody was gonna tell me things I was doing well, this is amazing. <laughs> And then her. the next time she flew in, I bombed. I mean, I absolutely bombed. And her first question was, what do you think you did well? And still, you know, was was on that train yeah. of this is to help you, Mark. This is, you know, you, you're valued. You're you're uh, you're useful here. So and, and of course, we got into constructive conversations after that of things that I could do better next time. Yeah, but it well, was she had a sense of constructive discipline. You know, a coach wouldn't define discipline as 
there, there was no such thing as negative discipline. You never confuse discipline and punishment. And Coach Wooden said, you know, you discipline to help, to correct, to teach, to improve. Man, what a positive and powerful word, word discipline is. You help, correct, teach, and improve. Please mm -hmm. discipline me, right? Yeah. Uh, give me a chance uh, to be my best and do my best. And I, I think that's, that's, that's the kind of atmosphere that I think uh, Dolores always created in the way she worked with people. I love that. Oh yeah, and I think one of the things that always struck me was was her ability to to get people on board with an idea. Yeah, and and, and we would laugh because we would you know we she would share with us, okay, here's this idea I have for our organization, and I've got to go meet with the higher ups and see if I can get them to to buy into this idea, and we would just laugh because we knew that the higher ups had no idea what was about to happen to them. <laughs> they, they had no idea this idea existed. And when they got done, they would think it was their idea and would be enthusiastic about implementing it. Yeah. And yeah. She, just this, this gift of, of bringing people on board, making them feel good and included, and then somehow drive forward very purposefully with, with you know, this is what we need to get done. Yeah, as you're describing that, I see a conductor. She had the ability to punch the ticket and get them on the train, right? And then get the train down the road and everybody was happy with the destination when you got there. Yeah, yeah, they're enjoying the train ride, looking at the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, you knew that, yeah, they were, they were outmanned. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, the connection from uh, the Infinity Project where we came together, uh, uh, that that really was the last major thing I did at Sandy, and then they uh, uh, offered me an opportunity to come back to Detroit from California. Um, I actually had, when I left, I had uh, gone through a divorce and I had a 10-year-old. When I got transferred, I had a 10-year-old mm. uh, living with his mom uh, across uh, Detroit. You know, I lived 15 miles away. Uh, so then I was out in California most of the time that he was, you know, going through junior high and high school and all of that. And I, I literally traveled weekly back and forth from uh, Michigan to uh, to California, um, mm -hmm. you know, to stay connected with him. Part, part of my life story being an abandoned son, I was going to do everything I could to kind of break the curse, a hundred year curse we had in our family of fathers mm -hmm. walking away from their boys. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... It, you know, I had to say yes to the job. I didn't have a lot of choice. But at that point, Sandy offered me an opportunity to come back to Michigan. But my son said he had been to California a number of times. He said, Dad, if you're coming back just for me, which was really the only reason I was going back, he said, I think I might want to come to California someday. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, okay. So I just said, well, I think I'll just start my own business. I, and we started Urine Marketing Services. Uh, that led to an Infinity client who that who had gone on to Hyundai opened a very big door there, and then I had an opportunity to get to, to sell a couple of large projects to Toyota, and one of them was to help launch the University of Toyota, and it was oh, in no that kidding. in that oh. process uh, that uh, I built an initial curriculum with them, and John Wooden became part of that. Uh, that's how I, I met Coach Wooden. That was we the connection. We were developing a program on coaching and decided we'd bring in coaches, film them, uh, trying to figure out how the best think about it. And of course, the first name on the list was the greatest coach of all time. I didn't know him, but I knew somebody who knew him. I got introduced and the rest is history. We struck up a friendship, did some really great work together. And I eventually took him an idea to create uh, the John R. Wooden course and to build a curriculum and a set of tools around all of his teachings. Uh, and that really became then my life work and I've been doing it now for 20 plus years. Well, I had missed that part of the story that uh, there were some clients in between and through one of those clients that that was really the introduction to Coach Wooden for you. Yeah. And, and so you're you're really the architect of of the certified program. Uh, well, we invented it from scratch. Uh, the, I, I invented the idea. I took the idea to oh. John Wooden. Uh, I can remember a three-hour meeting and a five-page letter that I wrote him 
trying to give him a vision of what the John R. Wooden course would be all about and how desperately the world needed it and mm. how powerful I thought it was and ultimately what I thought it could accomplish in corporations and schools and, and things like that. Um, and we had worked together uh, two and a half years to that point and done some really nice projects together, a number of them in the automotive industry. Mm. Uh, and so we had a good working relationship. I got him some really nice fees uh, for the work that we were doing together. You know, he never made more than $32,000 a year as the greatest head coach in college basketball history. And wow. you know, I got him more for a speech than he made for a whole year of coaching. Um, oh my goodness. So, you know, it, it was important. And, and man, if there was ever a guy that was never about money, it, it, it was him. It was almost like he, he didn't have set fees somebody asked him to come and speak the question he would ask is do you have a budget and their budget might be fifty thousand. great he'd love it he'll take it they may not have a budget oh that's all right i think i'd like to do that speech and he'd come mm. and speak anyhow um so uh, the man you know and he once was offered a million dollar job by jack kent cook to come coach the los angeles lakers and a two million dollar condo on the ocean in la jolla and he turned it down Huh. Uh, turned it down to keep making $32,000 a year and living in a little condo in Encino with his beloved wife. Wow. Because he wasn't, he felt that there wasn't anybody at the Lakers that wanted to learn anything he had to teach. Uh, he didn't think they were going to play the kind of basketball that he wanted to ultimately teach and coach. And he, he was a teacher and the money didn't matter. He thought it just complicated his life, honestly. <laughs> well, and you say the money didn't matter. You, you, you've got to tell the, the story of what happened before we pressed record because Mike often has a, a background that he uh, puts on his green screen and he had a portrait of uh, Coach Wooden with a lot of trophies and you told us a little something about that. Could you share that? Yeah, I don't know, uh, Mike, whether you can bring that that uh, that background back up, uh, which might be interesting. Uh, but it was it was a, a photograph that he absolutely did not like, and he kind of had to be cajoled into taking it. Somebody had <laughs> pulled all of the trophies that he'd won over a period. There you are, uh, from NCAA trophies to Father of the Year to Coach of the Year. I mean, it represented all of the trophies that he had participated in with his teams and a personal accolades he got and he really didn't like the picture because he he felt those weren't the, those weren't the things that really mattered in his life and those weren't the real trophies in his life uh, the picture he really loved was a picture of him uh, in his uh, mid 90s and he's got about 80 of his former players standing around him and those were the real trophies uh, in his life. Uh, and he also thought he had this, this, this concept of time that was important to him. I mean, you get a trophy, uh, you know, the night you, you win the big victory, but he thought the real trophies, the real shining that anyone might do isn't going to happen for another 10 or 15 or 20 years. Right. Uh, he was particularly, uh, he, he particularly liked, there was a coach named Amos Alonzo Stagg, who was a former a coach in the early days of football at the University of Chicago. They don't even play it, but at one time they were a power, uh, a powerhouse. And Stagg was one of the great early coaches in the game of football. And uh, a, a reporter once asked uh, Coach Stagg, "Well, Coach, how do you think you did this year?" And even though he, that year I think he'd gone nine and zero and gone undefeated as a football team, his answer was, "Well, I'm not sure I'll know for another twenty years." Huh. What he was saying was, it depends on how these young men turn out and what their life looks like. And, and yeah. that's, that's how he really saw things. So, uh, you know, you win a trophy right after you win the big game, but you really, those trophies tarnish pretty quickly. And right. he always thought at some point, you'll, the world will find a way to trace your trophies. You might ask the question, where are all those trophies now? And how much do they matter to him or to his family? They still have. Uh, they actually still have most of his NCAAs, but I can, a lot of those trophies, you have no idea where they are. And some of them probably got thrown out and yeah. Makes me think of uh, Simon Sinek's uh, The Infinite Game, you know, this, this idea of, you know, we're putting these arbitrary goalposts down and saying at the end of the month, that's, we got to have X number on the, right. you know, on the board and why, you know, there's, yeah. there are things that 
have a, a much longer lasting value. You might even say eternal value. Absolutely. Uh, the, the impact on some of these souls. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So, so what is it about, or what do you believe, uh, looking at today's culture and looking at today's state of leadership, what is one of John, one of John Wooden's tenets that, that, that just really needs to be highlighted at this point in time in, in our world? Well, Mike, when I, when I think of coach, I think one of the, one of the most powerful phrases um, uh, I ever heard as a description of Coach Wooden was, uh, was offered by Dick Enberg, the Hall of Fame sports broadcaster, who actually broadcast some of Coach's early games at UCLA. And when Dick Enberg stood up at John Wooden's memorial service and talked about his close friend, uh, the, the line that he used that was so powerful was that John Wooden's greatness was only exceeded by his goodness. Hmm. Okay. His greatness was only exceeded by his goodness. So hmm. the man he was, was even more meaningful than everything he accomplished and all of the accolades he got for being the greatest coach in, in sports history. And, uh, and you can harken back all, all those years ago. I'm a businessman that grew up in the good to great area, right? Uh, uh, Jim Collins book, good to yep. great. Well, where did all those great companies go? Uh, <laughs> a lot of them went down the tubes because I don't think there was enough goodness connected to the greatness that the, these leaders were chasing. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's ultimately, I think, right. The real things are the things that last and it's, we got to spend a lot more time working on our greatness, on our goodness as leaders that ultimately will define any level of greatness we're going to achieve. And I think that's what coach Wooden was really all about. We, it's one of the things we talk in our book. I think having John Wooden as your mentor, and, I, and we'll go back to mentoring. If I could, one message I could deliver to, to the audience that might say this is, please find a way to begin to study this man and make him your mentor. And you can do that. Mm -hmm. There's 19 or 20 books. There's a complete curriculum. There's hundreds of videos. Study this man's life. Study every word he said. Study every game he coached. Listen to people who talk about him and how they talk about him. Make him your mentor and get mm -hmm. your life on the pyramid of success. It is transformational. Mm -hmm. It will but, change but, your relationships. It will change your business. It will change your perspective. It will change your thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's what, what I think he, I believe he's done for me in the last 25 years. Um, When you were around him, you walked away. I mean, there was a sense of grace and humility and quiet strength about him that was a quiet strength that was thundering in its perspective, if I could put those two things together. And whenever you walked away, you just had this feeling, man, I got to be a better man. Huh. I just got to be a better man. How, how, do I, how do I get to be a little more like this guy? How do I think like that? And how do I have this listen like he does and this sense of grace and strength and humility and intelligence and perspective? I mean, he had this wonderful phrase he used called proper perspective. Uh, I like to call it common sense, but it, it was bigger than that. It was some, somewhere between common sense and proper perspective and true wisdom. I think you've got a description of the way the man thought about things. And mm -hmm. primarily because of the way he'd been raised and the values he had and the faith he had. Mm -hmm. Well, as you're talking, it, it makes me think that, that we, we probably have, you know, I know we have, I know some personally, we have leaders that, that embody many of those traits, but today's culture does not celebrate that. Uh, today's culture does not elevate that, right? It's the, it's the, it's the tweet, it's the dramatic move, it's the self-aggrandizing uh, behavior uh, that attracts the, the attention of, of pop culture. Yeah. And, and so the, the quiet, humble leader uh, the, that's, that's looking long-term, it, it, it just doesn't make for a, for, for a good headline um and but it's i think you're exactly right that's exactly what needs to be celebrated yeah there there, there was no swag in john wooden's world 
right. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a ball player that would dribble the ball through his legs and uh, and then shoot the ball. That, that guy's likely to be on the bench before the ball touched the floor. <laughs> right. he, he, you know, he, he played, he was all about the team. And uh, if, if the ball was going to touch, it ne- he, he, he believed basketball should be a game in which the ball didn't very seldom touch the floor. Right. right. Uh, he had this wonderful <laughs> phrase, no activity without achievement. Right, that was his uh, definition uh, in industrious. No activity without achievement, and he thinks a lot of the, the swag, the showboat, all of the stuff again is, a lot of activity. Basically, just people calling attention to themselves, and taking away from ultimately what the team is trying to accomplish and what the game is ultimately about. And I, I think it's the same way in business. Boy, oh yeah. Well, in in his case, right, we're in the midst of March Madness, uh, you know, and so it's the NCAA tournament. And and for those, you know, for those of our our younger viewer who's not familiar with uh, Coach Wooden, uh, (laughs) when you think of your 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 NCAA championship teams, uh, I think I believe he won 10 NCAA championships while he was at UCLA in 12 years in a 12 year period. Yeah, I think he won eight consecutive championships in a row. Seven. Seven. All right. So seven. seven yeah, seven times he went to the big dance and came home uh, victorious. Seven and, times in a row, right? Twelve times he went to the big dance. Ten times he came back uh, with the trophy, and seven of those were in a row. Wow. Right. And now and there was in that streak, there was an 88-game winning streak, but the other probably remarkable streak, think about this, he won 38 straight tournament games in that, wow. in that stretch. 38 straight, right? You know, we watched one March Madness over the weekend, one game, and he won 38 straight of those. Yeah, so, so yeah, and it's, it's so apropos to talk about this now because, you know, I think the, you know, the, the most anybody's been able to do since then is four, four championships. Coach K has five. Coach K has five. Okay. So you can tell I'm not a big Trying to go out on six. Desperately trying to go out on six. <laughs> yes. So, so it that kind of puts in perspective, right? So what is the capabilities? What is the power of, of the system? What is the power of his approach uh, when it comes to, to not short-term winning, but, but long-term, like you were talking about, the long-term success of not only the team, but the players? Yeah. Well, I think so many things there as you lose. I mean, we're describing a lot of end results and a lot of winning, but, uh, and you've heard it said that in his entire coaching career, none of his players ever heard him use the word win or lose. Mm. Never. Mm-hmm. He never talked about winning and he never talked about losing. He was always talking about basically the preparation it took and the effort it took and the commitment it took and the process it took. I mean, we hear, hear a lot of, you know, trust the process. Well, he's the guy that invented that idea, I think, or at least showed how well it can work. Uh, and he, he also, you know, was a, constantly trying to keep things on even keel. He believed for every emotional peak uh, that you create, you've got, uh, you know, you're going to come down uh, to a low level. As an example, uh, this weekend we saw a, a head basketball coach of a Division One a program uh, with his shirt off in front of the TV and an older man being doused uh, by his players and jumping up and dancing to some wild and crazy, you know, I'm not trying to be a stuffed shirt, but trust me, you'd have never seen coach John Wooden at round two or three or four in the championship game. As a matter of fact, when they won national championships, he actually instructed his team. I don't want to see from your face, uh, and essentially from your emotions, whether we won or whether we lost. I mean, that was how mm. sensitive he was about this idea of the even keel. And he says, don't make a fool out of yourself. Let our alumni do that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's perfect. And and everything now is, uh, you know, is all about making a fool of yourself, you know, on, on public television. And the more you can dance and the more you can sparkle and, you know, the more you can create attention uh, to yourself. And I, I don't, you know, downsell the energy and the enthusiasm uh, of that, but I, I think it's a little misplaced enthusiasm, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
And, and I, I just, uh, you, you wouldn't have ever seen the greatest in history with his shirt off in the locker room getting doused by his players, uh, right? He, he just, that wasn't, that wasn't who he was as a person. And it just wasn't proper perspective and it wasn't how, how a man of character and integrity and self-control comported himself in a public arena. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember it was, uh, I think it was Walter Payton who, who you know, despised the, the end zone dance, yeah. you know, and, and his, his thought was, you want to go down there, be respectful and act like you'll be right back. Yeah, and it act like you've it, been there before, yeah, right? Yeah, this is not a big deal. Yeah. I'll be right back. Here's the ball. And, and just, you know, you know that, that quiet confidence. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like to say, you know, we talk about March Madness. Um, I'm actually doing a podcast with a gentleman tomorrow, and the subject is the pyramid. And, and I like to really talk about Coach Wooden's life and his teachings and his wisdom uh, can take the madness out of March. As a matter of fact, it can take the madness out of your life every month of the year, mm. uh, because it's it's such a a, a clear-eyed, high-character, uh, under-control kind of view of what you know the important things in life really are and how you go about it. And all those things are really the behaviors you find on on Coach Wooden's pyramid of success. And he spent, uh, you know, he spent uh, fourteen years trying to starting with uh, trying to define what real success is all about, and then spent 14 years building this diagram, and then spent uh, nearly eight, eight decades living on it, right? Mm-hmm. He lived essentially on the pyramid of success. Every day it was his template, it was his framework, it was his blueprint, it was his roadmap for how he was gonna become his best and how he was gonna achieve success as he defined it. And his definition of success, which just has these four powerful components, first of all, of peace of mind. His definition of success started with the peace of mind that comes through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. So peace of mind, self-satisfaction, effort, and capability. When you bring those four things together, you've got a chance of achieving the true success that you actually have some control over. Mm-hmm. And uh, h- how about peace of mind as a goal uh, in the world in which we live today? <laughs> right. No, very, right. very well said, very well said. So are you familiar with, we didn't talk about this, but but are you familiar with uh, Apple TV has a has a wonderful show, one of the most uplifting shows in, in, in the world right now in Ted Lasso. And the writers of Ted Lasso said their their coach character is based upon a Midwestern guy, uh, which we all are, uh, even though you're in California now, we your, your roots are still there. Yeah. And it's a Midwestern guy with that 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 kind of temperament. And the coaching is all based upon the, the writers based the coaching principles based upon John Wooden's. Uh, principles. So are, are you familiar with that? And, and if so, I'm very familiar. As a matter of fact, I've had a couple of discussions with Jason Sudeikis's agent. Okay. Uh, Jason, oh, neat. Yeah, Jason plays Ted Lasso, and we connected to see if we could be of some help uh, with their writers. Uh, haven't really uh, had, a, had uh, provided any input there, but um, you know, all of the things that he's ultimately trying to do, we've been studying and writing about and teaching now for 25 years. Uh, we thought we could help him further develop the character and share. We got 25 years of, of stories and and things. And, you know, uh, the pyramid of success shows up in Ted Lasso's office. And if you listen closely, you hear a number of wooden quotes uh, on a day-to-day basis. Jason Sudeikis was a pretty good a basketball player growing up, and his coach was a disciple of Coach Wooden. That's where Jason no first kidding. heard his John Wooden messages, and that's where he first became familiar with the pyramid of success. So there is some roots and some background there. And Jason's, I think, high school coach was was very Wooden-like in terms of his sort of common sense approach and right. down-home humor. John Wooden was a very funny, even a very funny man. He loved a great story, loved jokes. One of his f- favorite players, Swen Nader, he, he allowed Swen to tell a joke uh, uh, 
every year for three years uh, in UCLA just to give Sweat a chance to get that stuff off his chest and to bring a little humor to the team. Uh, <laughs> uh, Coach Wooden also had this process uh, for ending every practice he called end on fun. It's interesting, uh, uh, the greatest shooter in the history of basketball now, right? Steph Curry has exactly the same theory. He ends every practice on with some with a fun exercise where he tries to hit a half court shot and a couple of other things he does just for fun. Well, no matter how difficult or how tough a practice John Wooden ever ran, and he ran the toughest practices of all time when you talk to his players, um, it, it was always faster, harder, better, um, you know, just absolutely laser-like focus to executing the fundamentals, always getting, uh, always executing the fundamentals, this definition of skill properly and quickly. Well, there was no end to the definition of quickly, right? <laughs> he believed his players, that was their most important skill. And he would rather quickness was the, was yeah. actually the first attribute he looked for. Quickness and character were his two high hard ones when it came to the kind of players he recruited. So um, th that was that was coach's approach. Well, that's, well, so that, that's a, a topic that I wanted you to sort of talk about is, uh, you know, Coach Wooden would would recruit. He would you know, he would have these players. You know, he was looking for quickness in an athlete. He obviously had a, a, a moral fiber, a character component that he was looking for uh, maybe, maybe coachability, I guess, would be probably thrown into that. Absolutely. Um, so there are people listening to this podcast who are thinking about implementing the pyramid perhaps, and maybe you've got a bunch of folks you've inherited and they're not all Dolores, you know, they're, they're, they're not all these superstars. So could you speak a little bit about how you go about getting the, the, the principles of the pyramid uh, into folks who, uh, this may be just completely brand new. This this is a almost a foreign concept to us. Is that even fair to ask of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I love the challenge of it. But I think there is, uh, before you begin that, I think there is a mindset for uh, the, the idea of being a coach uh, that, 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 that today I think goes beyond the idea of being a good manager or even being a good leader. Um, and I, I think uh, co coaching is a is a set of skills today that that I think involves leadership and it involves management. But you can be a good manager and not be a good coach. You can be a good leader and not be a good coach. But you cannot be a good coach without being a good manager and a good leader. Ooh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the, this 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 skill set here and. When, when you think about those 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 day-to-day -day behaviors, I think you first, you got to see the person uh, before you see anything else. And, and the question is, how positive is your perspective on what the possibilities and the potential of that person happens to be? I don't care what job they do or how important you think they might be the team or where you think their career... Have you got a real a real sense of, to me, sense of possibilities for every person? And do you know them enough and well enough and have a quality enough relationship? To, to, I mean, there's so many of people managing people out there. They have no idea who the people are that they're working with every day. Yeah, they don't they don't know what breaks their heart. They don't know what they're aspiring to do. They don't know where they've come from or how they've been influenced or or or, or the values that their parents might have instilled in them. So the sense of the person to me is such a powerful perspective. And, and the more you know, the better the opportunity for creating a relationship around which some really good things can happen. And particularly a relationship that enables you to get through the most difficult challenges. You know, when things are really pushing and things are hard, um, you know, that, that's where the quality. So if you, it's, you know, I sort of take, you know, sort of the biblical perspective, you know, God doesn't make any junk. <laughs> right. Uh, and right. seeing everybody in the light of possibilities. And, and the question is, are you bringing light into that situation and casting more light on it, which I think was what coach was able to do 
or, or are you putting a dark cloud over everything and creating anxiety and creating fear and creating trepidation and creating all the things that makes people nervous and tight and afraid and 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 you know sort of even as i describe that you can see how you pull in right yeah. physically and how it gets you tight and coach believed in trying to stay loose baby he, you know you gotta you gotta to stay loose it was quickness under control and 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 being totally loose to be able to execute that well i think the the quality of the relationship sets the tone for all that and then the pyramid just provides this blueprint for every element of behavior around which your work and your life uh, unfold the work that you have to do every day hey we all have to work and very few of us are you know, independently wealthy and are able to go through your life without work. And work is a very important part of who we are, how we grow, how we develop. And yep. we're, we're called to work. We're called to be productive. Right. We're called for a purpose. We're called, right, to, yeah. to accomplish things. Hopefully, make, hopefully it's a lot more focused on others than ourselves. And that's been, I think, a big part of the lesson I learned from Coach. You know, our... Uh, probably our, our real success is going to come in our ability to coach ourselves, but the real joy uh, is going to come from our ability to help others, you know, achieve the things that they want to be able to do. So, um, you know, I think coach gives us that blueprint for that quality relationship and then the behavior that plays out to produce the kind of success every one of us are capable of. That's powerful. Yeah. That's really powerful. We we did a segment. Um, I, I don't want to make us go too long here, Lynn. We want to be respectful of your time, but hey, I've got a, all the time you want to take. Long <laughs> as short as you want to do it. I'm talking about my favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and you're you're talking about what we love to talk about. So we we're we're loving this. And I, I'm just thinking we did a couple of podcast series, Mike. Um, we just wrapped up one on if you have a culture that gets both relationship and results, and of course, the trick there is that it's the relationship that leads to the results. And, and that, I, that's what I heard you talking about is knowing your people, know, knowing them intimately to where you have that relationship that you can build all these behaviors on top of and, and achieve success. Yeah, Mark, the other thing, uh, going back to the mentoring uh, thing where our whole discussion began, you know, we, we, we teach in the John Wooden course basically a five-part process that he had on how he coached. Um, mm. And I, I think this is a, is a template that everybody can hold on to. And um, th this process began to be described literally in the 1930s when one of his mentors, one of his coaches, his coach at Purdue wrote a book called Practical Basketball. Huh. One of the first tech, textbooks on basketball. Well, John Wooden took that text and he says, everything you learn, you learn from somebody else. And he, he really believed that. And, huh. and and he wrote his own, the only book he ever wrote by himself. Uh, he wrote a book called Practical Modern Basketball. Huh. And, and in the first chapter of that book, he talks basically about his coaching philosophy, which began to describe kind of the four key stages of coaching the four steps in the process that he used. We've had a fifth one because of a, a book he wrote much, much, much later. But he talks, he begins to talk about that, you know, being a quality coach basically starts with the quality of your thinking, right? Hmm. So everything is about, starts with the quality of what's going on in your head, day to, moment to moment, day to day. And if you ask yourself, what are the things that are influencing the quality of your thinking every day? And what are you doing to control what's going into your head? And what are you doing to keep out all the garbage that has the potential to go in your head every day? Um, so mm -hmm. it all starts with the quality of your thinking and how he challenged, he tried to spend a lot of time thinking about thinking. <laughs> right? Take time Very to philosophical. Think, take time to think about thinking. Yeah. Um, and you know, some pretty smart people, uh, you know, the Bill Gates of the world who take a couple right. hours a day uh, to read good things and to think about their thinking. There's some other examples of that, but I think coach kind of hit on that first. So it all about everything starts with the quality of your thinking. And if you got bad things going on in, with your head, that's going to create bad feelings and bad behavior and ultimately bad outcomes.
uh, it's the same way on the good side. So it all starts with the quality of your thinking. And then he thought it, it goes to basically the example that you set. Step yeah. one, quality thinking. Step two, set a good example. Uh, and he thinks that ultimately is the best teacher, right? The best teacher values are basically caught, not taught. So if you, you, you want to be a high character uh, leader with integrity and energy and enthusiasm and caring and consideration, and you, right. want, and you want to build a culture around those things, well, just set the example for that in every single thing you do and say, and, and that will get things down the road quicker than anything else. Okay. You know, that's, you said, uh, you know, a lot of uh, really smart people do that, you know, spend time on their, on their thinking and coaches talk about mindset. And I'm, I'm thinking John Wooden, he was probably reading the book of Romans and thinking about uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind instead of letting the world uh, form your opinions and so on. So I, I mean, th this is pretty timeless stuff, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's very timeless. He was a man that read his Bible every day. There, he, there we he go. never described himself as a Bible scholar, but yeah. he read his Bible a little bit every day. He, well, and it'll change you. Yeah, it, it definitely will change you. Yeah. Um, so this example of, um, you know, the second part in the coaching model, setting a great example, he had this wonderful little poem that sat on his desk uh, from the day his son was born to literally, I have a replica of it, his family still has it, uh, a little poem that went, um, a careful man I must be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the same self way. I cannot once... I cannot once, um, I cannot once uh, not see his eyes, whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says, he's going to be this little fellow who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me, he must not see this little fellow who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I am building for the years to be this little fellow who follows me. Hmm. And that that poem it sat on his desk and there's a picture of a little boy following his dad down the beach and you can see the son walking in his dad's footsteps. Hmm. So he had that reminder in front of him every day of his life reminding him of the example that he set. You want your players to be under control? Well, he didn't believe he could get out of control on the bench and expect his players to be under control. Hmm. Today, right? You got a Division One head coach punching out uh, one of his opposing coaches. What kind of example uh, did, does that set for his players? Right. Uh, just you know, all about the example you set in self-control. And then the third part of the process: the quality of your thinking, the example you set, how you teach. And first and foremost, he was a teacher, and mm -hmm. he is a tremendous body of content on effective teaching methodologies and how he went about it. The fourth part of the process was how you lead. And he thought if you were thinking correctly and you were doing setting a good example every day and you were doing an effective amount of teaching, you had set up your opportunity to be a good leader and mm. people are going to follow that kind of person. And then, oh, by the way, leadership goes to then the opportunity to mentor. And that was the fifth part of the process that we added that wasn't in the original book. He wrote a great book with a guy named Don Yeager called Game Plan for Life that is all about mentoring. Um, a mentor is a noun and a verb, something you are and something you do, mm -hmm. uh, something you need to have, right? You should be a mentor and you should have mentors. And he had mentors in four or five categories of his life. He had spiritual mentors. He had leadership uh, mentors um, and so uh, and he had uh, I think seven or eight people two of them is his father and his wife uh, Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa and three of his coaches were probably the seven most prominent mentors that he had in his life so that's that's why we would say make John Wooden your mentor begin to study him, read everything you can, listen to videos, listen to people uh, who have spent time with him. It will absolutely transform your life. Wow. That, that's, that's amazing. And so 
if somebody uh, you know with no knowledge of, of Coach Wooden was to begin their journey into exploration, what uh, what book uh, would you recommend they start with? How do they get a hold of you? Uh -huh. uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think there are. Uh, we'll be a, a little selfish here, but I think there are two books that you start with. One is the one we've most recently developed, which is uh, the last one that's been done called Coach Him Way Up, uh, uh, Five Lessons for Leading the John Wooden Way. And this talks about our 25 years of experience, the pyramid, and it's probably more application oriented than anything that's ever been written in and around and with Coach Wooden. One of the things that we introduce in here is this individual success assessment uh, and this idea of making your home team the strong team getting on this journey to goodness and greatness and goodness right coaching yourself first promote yourself to be a head coach of your own life those are some of the key ideas that's in this and then i would say just uh this would be the other book it's called wooden a lifetime of observations and reflections uh, to be introduced to coach and his thinking and his philosophies th this is we, we call this the little blue book the little blue bible if you will on, mm -hmm. on coach wood it's a great place to start you could read this to teenagers or you could read this as a ceo uh, my original copy that coach had signed i can't tell you i had years of notes in it and actually somebody walked off with it at a conference. Uh, I, oh. I, I had it on, on a table. <laughs> Interestingly, it was a conference on character and integrity <laughs> in the financial services world. Uh, oh. So I'm, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but but I'm, ho I'm hoping whoever has it, you know, is putting it to good use. Right. Yeah, yeah, I hope they read it. I hope they read it every day and yeah, think about are, what they did. Yeah. yeah, those would be the two places. And we actually have two websites, the johnrwoodencourse.com. Yeah. The johnrwoodencourse.com. And then we have our original website called, and I hope not too confusing, woodencourseproducts.com. We have really two worlds. In the last couple of years, we took uh, 20 years of physical content that we put into books and binders and posters and things like that. But in the last two years, we've tried to get into the 21st century, put everything into digital formats, uh, make everything downloadable, self-study, those kinds of things. So one website's got all the digital downloading stuff and the other website has all the physical materials. A lot of people still want, you know, still want a, a big binder you know, still like to make notes and carry the books yeah. around and those kinds of things. And we've got that, uh, the, the complete John Wooden curriculum four courses, uh, plus a lot of books and tools and assessments and things like that. So if you're serious about finding a mentor for your life, uh, interesting, we've also been writing, uh, we talk about a process of assessment, development, and sustainment. Assessment, development, and sustainment. And we've written eight years of weekly curricula around lessons on coaching with Coach Wood. And there's four or 500 issues uh, in two different products, Wooden 52 and Wooden's Wisdom. So once you start uh, down this road uh, and go on this journey to greatness and goodness, there is work there and content there to sustain every step for years to come. Lovely. And of course, we'll put links to all of this in our show notes. And uh, thank you so much, Lynn, for just being so gracious with your time to uh, help everybody get great and good. That's okay. really what this is. And just one final point. Um, Dolores is alive. We were talking about her. <laughs> We were talking about her in the past tense, like Dolores did this and Dolores was. It's like, no, no, she's okay. She's uh, she's still an influence in our life. So Well, as I said, we have very recently have taken both Dolores and Dave, her friend, through a 15-week certification course, and they have become certified uh, John Woodenway coaches. Uh, and that's an opportunity if you want to be involved in this content and teach it and share it whether in your corporate world or your club or your school or wherever, um, we can take you through that process and prepare you very powerfully to be a very effective wooden way coach. Beautiful. Fantastic. Beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you, Lynn. This has been amazing.
Thank you, guys. Really enjoyed it. Anytime. If you're looking for a volume two or volume three, I'm, I'm available. We got a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this could be the podcast, right? We could just, you know. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Really enjoyed it. And that's a wrap. It doesn't take a genius. The blog dedicated to reducing the irreducible. Next time, prime numbers. What makes them so special? Join us then. And thanks for listening. That's good enough.